Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be, and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Last week, as uh, Shane began our study on the Sermon on the Mount, he said uh, two really important things. He said a lot of other things, too, but he said two really important (laughs) things. He told us, uh, starting at the end of the sermon, that Jesus actually intends for us to do this that the Sermon on the Mount isn't intended to just make you feel guilty. It's to call you into a certain way of life. And then he told us the best commentary on the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus himself. If you want to know how this looks to live out the Sermon on the Mount, look at the life and passion of Jesus, and that will tell you. So now we're going to come back to the beginning of the sermon and see how all that looks. Um, there seems to me there, there are three sort of big sort of interpretive problems in the Sermon on the Mount. Most of it's pretty straightforward. Um, one of the problems is in chapter 7, verse 6, where we're told not to cast our pearls before swine. Uh, most of us are short on both of those. Um, and tend not to put them together and the the passage is a little obtuse to say the least Um, another problem is in actually Jesus teaching on prayer where he says the very troubling thing that God's forgiveness on us is dependent on our forgiveness of other people Uh, but those problems are for a different preacher on a different day The third problem is mine, the Beatitudes. And you may think, well, what possible problem could there be? Well, there's the problem of the first word, B-L-E-S-S-E-D. Does that have two syllables or one? (laughs) Um, Are we blessed or are we blessed? Um, but, but the bigger problem is, is, is this. Um, one line of sort of reading the, the Beatitudes tends to make them commands. Now, you need to be pure in heart. And you need to be a peacemaker. Um, but that doesn't seem right. On the other hand, 
they're presented as blessings, but they clearly have implications on how we live. What do these blessings do to, to, to our life, to, to how we live? Um, and so I'm going to try to uh, sort out that problem. Um, to, for, for me to speak on the Beatitudes Sermon on the Mount is sort of daunting because I've, I've written on this and I've spoken on it and I think there is not anything I could possibly say that people haven't heard me say. My friends who have a way of giving me perspective remind me that they probably weren't paying that close attention. Um, and we're pretty forgetful, so you might be able to say some of the same things again. Um, but I, I am grateful that, that Shane gave me the opportunity to think again about a passage that I find difficult. And uh, I think I may have something, something different to say about, about part of it. Um, let me begin with stuff I've said a lot of times before. You have to think about who's here in this sermon. You know, you read the Bible and you see words like Pharisees and Sadducees and teachers of the law and scribes, and you might get the impression that that's what people are. But that's a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of people. Most of the people in Jesus' time are what we would call the people of the land. A better way to describe it is dirt poor. They live in a, in a, in a land that is under the control of another country. They are being taxed to death. They are eking out an existence and there is no hope that it will ever get any better. There is no American dream in Jesus' Palestine. But there's also this hope that runs along that at some point God might send somebody to change this situation. And in fact, by the time Jesus had come along, he wasn't the first one. Others had come along who claimed to be that special messenger of God that was going to change that situation. But, but nothing happened. But, but here are these people going out to hear Jesus, which I'm convinced that they did because they wondered, maybe this is the guy. And they know if their situation is ever going to change, it's not going to be because they change it. They can't. It's going to be because God does something. And so they go out. And the first word out of Jesus' mouth to those people is blessed. That's well, kind of a tricky Greek word. Don't know exactly how to translate it. Jeff gave us two or three different ways that you can think about it or translate it. I'm, I'm going to stick. I'm going to stick with blessing. And I want to think about what it means for the first thing that Jesus says to those people in that situation is blessed. Um. Okay. I'm going to give you a test now. It's a test in 
Texas cultural history. I didn't grow up in Texas, but I, I know this. I know this story. We'll see if you're a good Texan. The question has nothing to do with guns, really. Okay, okay. Short fans, how many of you know who Jack Atkinson is? Okay, got like two, three people. Um, let me try again. How many of you know who Fritz von Erich is? Okay, got a few more. They're the same person, by the way. Jack Atkinson was a Texas wrestler who made a career after World War II and he took the wrestling name Fritz von Erich because he was going to play a Nazi villain in the theater of professional wrestling. He had six sons. He intended for all of them to be wrestlers. There's a new movie out. I'm not gonna give any spoilers other than the story everybody already knows. It's like giving spoilers to Romeo and Juliet. Everybody's dead at the end. Okay. <laughs> uh, Jack Jr. died at age six. Quite a tragic accident. Second son, Kevin, is still alive today. Has four sons, 13 grandchildren. Happy family. Son number three died in mysterious circumstances in Asia on a wrestling tour. Um, there have been a variety of explanations given, but the best one the insiders say is a drug overdose. Son number four killed himself. Son number five killed himself. And son number six killed himself. All at young ages. And that's led to the notion of the Von Erich curse. But the movie would have us think that that's not quite right. It's not quite a curse. What it is is what happens when sons chase an elusive blessing from their father that never really comes. And maybe I'm taken a bit with that reading because I've worked with students long enough and ministers enough to see what happens when a son or daughter doesn't have the blessing of their father. And this isn't my point today, but while I'm here, I can't resist making it. If you're a father and you haven't given your child that blessing recently, you might think about doing that. It's one of the most important things in the world. But now I'm back to my text. Jesus in front of these hopeless people and the first thing he does is pronounces the blessing of the heavenly father on them. Oh, what that must have felt like on you 
rest the blessing of God. But the problem I sort of started out with is, how do I connect with this blessing, with this call towards a certain kind of life? And that's what I was thinking about this week. I went out for my early before dawn Sunday morning walk, hoping to get more inspiration on this today, but what I got was the sniffles. Um, I have thought about it. I've been thinking about it. And I think the word that connects the blessing and the living out is the word freedom. that when you experience the blessing of God, it allows you the freedom to live in a certain way that you wouldn't be able to without that blessing. There's some debate among scholars about whether the order of the Beatitudes makes a difference. Um, I don't think it does. I think number one needs to be number one. After that, I think it can be any order you want it to. And for those of us who've um, memorized it and recited it, they don't always come out in exactly the same order. They should, but they don't always. What does it sound like? Blessed are you poor in spirit. Blessed are you losers. Blessed are you who are never going to be able to be somebody because in the world there are always more nobodies than somebodies. That's the very definition of being somebody. Everybody doesn't get to be one. But God says, if you never become anybody in the world that anybody remembers or cares about, if you're just one of the people of the land... This is God's word to you. You are blessed by God. You're blessed if you're in mourning. Well, that doesn't sound right. Oh, yeah. Because mourning is intricately tied with love. The only people who never mourn are people who have never loved. Mourning and love, they go together. Mourning is the loss of something you've loved. Think about how awful life would be if you never loved enough to mourn. We are never more alive than when we mourn. Um, when I do weddings, uh, I'm probably the only preacher who thinks this way. It's always a little bittersweet. And it's not because I just think what we're doing is odd. Um, it's because when I know, when I pronounce them husband and wife, that apart from some tragedy in which they're killed together, eventually one will live without the other. And I can't keep from thinking about that. And I can't keep thinking, well... It's worth it. Love's worth that. And if you're one of those people who experience mourning in the world, then you're experiencing love and God's blessing is on you. 
Blessed are the meek. Let me put that in more modern terms. Blessed are those who are not on social media. Have you noticed that meekness and social media hardly fit together? Blessed are those who don't always have to have their voice heard. Blessed are those who don't have to be the loudest voice in the room. Blessed are those who don't have to always shout everybody else down. If you're one of those people who sits in the room, you're probably the smartest person in the room and you never say anything. I got news for you. God's blessing is on you. We appreciate you too. Meek people don't get noticed. Not in our noisy world. Not in our shouting world. If you're one of those people who isn't often heard, God's blessing is on you. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Um, you, have, you have to stop and appreciate the oddity of the phrase. Hunger and thirst are not things that we generally desire. Those are things we want to quench. And the blessing is, okay, you will be filled. But the point seems to be you need to spend your life on a trip. Always looking, always searching. Oh, how boring the spiritual life would be if it was all achievement and no seek. How sad it is for people who think they've already come to understand everything there is about the spiritual life and God. That, that's no way to live. Blessed are those who are always striving towards, reaching towards. Um, I hope I'm not the same person I was 20 years ago or the same person I'll be 10 years from now. I didn't quite have the optimism to go 20 in that direction. Um, <laughs> Um, there will be a point when we will no longer see through a glass darkly in Paul's words, but face to face. But in the meantime, it's hungering and thirsting and God places his blessing on that. Blessed are those who show mercy because mercy will come back. Mercy is a hard one in our world. Um, I, I, because I taught ethics for as long I've, I'm always interested in these conversations about sympathy and empathy and which one is the superior virtue uh, it's not altogether clear by the way because the deal with sympathy is I, I have compassion for people even when I don't feel with them which is a really great thing because there's some things I don't understand I don't feel but I can still have compassion but empathy is more visceral it's where your feelings become my feelings. And God says, when you're willing to do that, make that kind of investment in the world around you, God's blessing is on you. Um, I've, I said in the past, the greatest thing about ministry was that people would invite you onto the holy places of their suffering. And it's where you learn mercy. Um, 
Blessed are the pure in heart. Now this one is, uh, you know, it never, it never seemed to me to exactly fit with the others. Okay, what is, what, is it to be, what is it to be pure in heart? Well, I don't think it's just to think bad thoughts. I think purity of heart in this circumstance means something like, blessed are those who direct their eyes towards God. And in our world, what it means is, blessed are you who don't give in to a world of distraction. Distraction is the great enemy of relationship with God. And there are a lot of people whose jobs depend on distracting you. And oh, are they good at it. And in a world of, of distraction and FOMO, that fear of missing out, if you direct your eyes squarely towards God, it is not possible that you will ever miss out on anything that really matters. In that kind of world, the blessing of God are on the pure in heart. Uh, I have become more and more uh, taken with people who are rather uninformed. There's just a little too much news in the world. I, I have one friend who decided not to read any magazines, watch any newscasts. He says, I find out everything I need to know from my friends anyway. Well, okay, that's pretty radical, but I get the idea. Blessed are the peacemakers. They're the ones are really God's children it's either power or peace those are the choices in today's world it's Friedrich Nietzsche's world it's all about power it's about me getting the power in that kind of world God's blessing is on those who do not seek power but who seek peace And finally, he says, oh, don't worry about it. If people persecute you, they've been at that for a good long while now. They persecuted the ones who were before you. And when you suffer for righteousness' sake, the blessing of God rests on you. And what I think that really means is this. If God's blessing is on you, what do you care what anybody else thinks? It's God's blessing that matters. And God places his blessing on those who are willing to suffer for the cause that Christ died. So when I, when I read these passages, I just sort of wonder how freeing it would be if I really appreciated and took in the blessing of God, how freeing it would be to live in a countercultural way in the world, as Jesus is going to instruct us to in the rest of the sermon. Blessed are those who aren't at the top of the heap. If you're one of those people who's just one of those ordinary folks, the blessing of God is on you. Blessed are those who love enough to suffer loss. 
God's blessing is on you. Blessed are those who don't have to be the loudest voice in the room, but meekly go about doing the work of God. God's blessing is on you. Blessed are those who get up every morning thinking, I wonder what I'm going to learn about God today. God's blessing is on you. Blessed are those whose first move towards those in pain is mercy, not judgment. The blessing of God is on you. Blessed are those who in a world of distraction have made up their mind that they're going to have a laser focus on God. God's blessing is on you. Blessed are those who are willing to, to in a world that asserts power, instead be committed to peace. And blessed are those who are willing to suffer whatever the world gives because of the cause for which Christ died. God's blessing is on you. God's blessing is on you. God's blessing is on you. Let's stand. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore, world without end. Amen.